Will the devil cry? Find out on this week's Retronauts. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Retronauts. I'm your host for this one, Bob Mackey. Today's topic is the Devil May Cry series. And uh, before I go any further, I have a special guest here. Of course, all my guests are special, but there is someone from the from the beating heart of Capcom who has made his way here. Who is this? Hey, Greg, Greg Moore here. I'm one of Capcom's community managers. Is, uh, is Devil May Cry like your specialty? I know you guys kind of handle your own franchises there. Uh, I like to think it is. Uh, I worked on the HD Collection, DMC, uh, and then DMC Definitive Edition, and 4SE most recently. Cool. And definitely my favorite series of all time. And I know you know Dove May Cry very well. Oh, yeah. And I, that's why you're on. You're like our expert. I mean, I, Jose, who are you? <laughs> Hi, I'm Jose Otero exactly. from IGN. And I will say, as someone who has witnessed Greg Moore play Devil May Cry, <laughs> it is absolutely his game. Uh, dude, you are amazing. At uh, we, we had a demo a long time ago and I saw you uh, <laughs> just destroy that game as uh, a bunch of different characters. It was really cool. And well, paint- thank you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Painting quietly across from me. Who, who is this? Uh, I'm Jeremy Parrish bringing balance to the forest as enthusiastic as Greg and Jose are about Devil May Cry. I am <laughs> as uh, completely ignorant of the series. What do you, it's, just, what do you, it's just not my thing. What do you have against the devil, Jeremy? Um, no, he's great. He plays fiddle. It's fantastic. Uh, well, you, I, I get it, because you didn't like Resident Evil either that I know of, right? Like, that's oh, also another, this is, like... This is, this is like a different kind of game, but it just, it just, I don't know, like, stylish cool, stylish, cool action is not for me. Okay. What can mm. I say? Stylish, cool platforming is for you. Mm. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Uh, mm. So Jeremy will occasionally chime in, uh, I hope. But mostly <laughs> I'm just doing watercolors. Yeah, he's working on Retronaut stuff, but it's important that he's here. Uh, uh, so yes, I got to keep the temperature up in this tiny. Yeah, it, it, like <laughs> absorb more oxygen uh, right. because we we don't have enough in here. Um, so let's talk about uh, before we talk about Devil May Cry. I did want to talk about the creator uh, who is no longer with Capcom, hasn't been mm-hmm. for about a decade now. But his name is Hideki Kamiya. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was born in 1970, and the reason I, I say that or I point that out is that he is from the first generation of game developers hmm. that grew up with the Famicom, mm-hmm. that grew up with this idea of what, what our understanding of a video game is. Hmm. Like, he, if you go on to Twitter, and he will probably block you if you talk to him, <laughs> but um, if you go to Twitter and observe him, his, his, his uh, avatar is a cartoon version of him with a Famicom cartridge sticking out of his head. So huh. he was a huge nerd all his life. He said, like, Link to the Past, uh, Gradius, Castlevania are his favorites, and um, he started at Capcom in 1994, um, he worked on this really bizarre game that never came out here. It was a, it was a variant of a variant of the Incredible Machines. Like mm. apparently, the Incredible Machine, which was this PC kind of game slash toy, it had a variant called Incredible Tunes, which was more for kids. Mm. So there was a Ghost and Goblins version yes. of that. Um, oh yeah, called uh, mm. Arthur To Astaroth No Nizo Makamura. Jeremy Nizo Makamura. Thank you. Arthur and Astaroth's mystery of uh, Devil Island, okay. basically. Yeah, and I mean, you can, mysterious Devil Island. You can watch videos of this online. It looks nothing like a Hideki Kamiya game. Like uh, it is just like it's just a variant of the Incredible Machine or Incredible Tune. So mm-hmm. the, that's where he got started. But I think people know him most for his work on Resident Evil. He Not was bad. a um, a planner. 
mm-hmm. um, whatever that means. Uh, it has I mean, the, that's designer. Yeah, it has a very vague, like, very broad meaning, I think. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he directed Resident Evil 2 um, after that all by himself. And uh, basically, Mikami was his mentor. Mikami's mm-hmm. not too much older than him, but he said the greatest moment of his life was when Mikami pra- praised him, which I guess never happened <laughs> before. Shinji Mikami, who created Resident Evil. Uh, apparently, Shinji Mikami really liked Beautiful Joe, and mm-hmm. that was the greatest moment of his life. And that's that's uh, the Deki Kamiya. Like he is very good at making this kind of game. Like he has not stopped making Devil May Cries, although they're called different things. Mm-hmm. Not to say that he's ripping his own work off. He's just very good at making this whole stylish action kind of experience and uh, different variants on it. So let's talk about the actual uh, birth Devil May Cry. Who can tell me where this game started? I don't want to be the only one talking here. Maybe Greg or so, Jose can jump in. <laughs> I'm sure you know where it came from. This is no so. Secret. I mean, I've heard a lot of you know disjointed bits and. Bob's about it, um, but it was definitely gonna be a Resident Evil game to start. They were working on RE4, uh, but this was before they had all the crazy ideas that would change Resident Evil forevermore. Uh, and so, um, actually, a lot of the info that I'm gonna be divulging today comes from the art book, which I've uh, I got an early copy of. This comes out hopefully in the next few weeks. It's a it's an art book that has all sorts of candid, uh, you know, backstory on the development of the series. And uh, there's some, pri- some surprising stuff in there. They actually have, uh, like, this concept art of the Dante and Virgil twins as, oh, okay. as infants, uh, like, blanketed in the Umbrella logo. So even Whoa. back when it was an RE4 Holy project, cow. they, they had awesome. the idea of the twins. Yeah, no, no. And I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know how directly this relates to it, but I talked to Mikami a few uh, years ago, uh, I think it was during Bet Summit, and just brought up sort of one of the most important chapters to me in Resident Evil was the remake, which was mm-hmm. right before 4. Mm-hmm. And he sort of made it sound like the fact that remake didn't sell was the reason why the series mm-hmm. ended up changing mm-hmm. as much as it, as it did. So it could be the reason why Kamiya's game was scrapped or couldn't be the reason. Like history well, will, will not know the answer 100% on and, that. You know, what, what I've heard people say in the past is that, um, you know, the as the design phase got a little further along, they just started feeling like it, it didn't feel quite like a Resident Evil game. It felt like its own thing. Yeah. And then I think they just... Maybe it was that in tandem with uh, RE uh, Remake not not doing as well as they'd hoped. Yeah. That they'd... Hmm. yeah, and at the time, Capcom was very much experimenting with the Resident Evil formula, right? You had Resident Evil, you had Dino Crisis, you had Onimusha. Yeah. Those games all sort of dabbled in the same kind of control style where yeah. it was sort of fixed tank controls, mm-hmm. but... They were trying combat in different ways. Dino Crisis, maybe not so much. Not until 2 did I feel that game changed a lot. Yeah. But uh, Onimusha was 100% very different than Resident Evil, yeah. even though it sort of looked like it, for, for better or worse. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you take what you know and you you sort of branch off from that. Even uh, Killer7 to a degree, which yeah. was... Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. Like, like Resident Evil 4 is, is as good as it is because it got four chances, which no, no <laughs> game even gets, like, a game barely gets one chance to get made now, but that game got four chances and just reading about the early version of this is pretty fascinating like apparently people have been piecing together the history of this based on things Mika- uh, not Mikami but uh, Kamiya tweets and apparently the original version of, of Devil May Cry was about a guy named Tony who was enhanced with like biotechnology and the entire game was about like unraveling the mystery of Tony which is not as compelling of a name as Dante I gotta yeah. say I think that's before the whole devil uh, thing entered and um, again it, it was going to have uh, like the, the static camera angles or the pre-rendered camera angles of Onimusha mm. but 
he felt that that was not dynamic enough because this game was all about like looking cool and doing cool things mm. and juggling enemies with guns, which is another thing from Onimusha. Apparently, that was a bug in the yeah. game, juggling enemies. So it's like, let's turn this into a feature because it's just so fun and cool. Yeah, that's how I feel like I learned about Devil May Cry, yes. right? Just that uh, there was some bug in Onimusha and you were able to sort of keep an enemy suspended and there was something very cool about that, mm-hmm. something that just felt like you turned the tables. Now you are not the vulnerable one, but this this enemy is. Uh, you guys know Brett. Uh, he's been on oh, the yeah, show before. Oh, yeah, for sure. Brett's great. Uh, he, uh, he has described Devil May Cry as uh, Resident Evil Inside Out. Mm, and I yeah. think that's pretty apt, especially with the first one. You, you have yeah. infinite ammo. You're the most dangerous thing in the room most of the time. Yeah. And, uh, and you can jump around. You're very mobile. Um, you're, you're doing all the things you'd be doing, like collect this key, open this door, get Especially this emblem. But it's the, broken yeah, up yeah. into tiny, like, little chunks, like, with each thing just spells out your objective for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, no, and it, just to, I'm sorry, just to bring us back to the camera for a second, but th- of course there was a desire to get away from Resident Evil's framing of where the camera was, but I feel like the first Devil May Cry still kind of hung, hang, hung on to it, but it's, it kind of followed you a little more. It kind of tried yeah. to be, you know, sort of with you through all of these different things because mm-hmm. you would turn certain corners and you would have that, you know, disorientation for a few seconds. At least it's disorienting now to me. It wasn't then. Then no. I was 100% <laughs> wired into we were used to how yeah. that game worked and how that camera worked and I was okay with it. Um, but it's true in Brett's, uh, you know, sort of description of it. It is the Resident Evil Inside Out because you have an unlimited supply of bullets. You have a powerful melee weapon. You're mm-hmm. able to it's not about limited resources. It's about looking good while fighting these yeah. things. And that's mm-hmm. something that in Resident Evil, combat didn't look good. Combat was more about survival. It was mm-hmm. scrappy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And one thing I do want to acknowledge before we start talking about the individual games is, like, I've labeled this in in my notes as the matrix in the room where it's, like, <laughs> we have to take ourselves back to that four-year period of pop culture where nothing was cooler than the matrix until mm-hmm. then the sequels came out and they were like, oh, this isn't this wasn't very good. Hot trash. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hot, <laughs> hot trash. But in that time, the, the impact that movie had was indescribable. Everyone who watched the first matrix was like, I want this to be a video game. And I feel like... Devil May Cry was the first game to truly take those actions, that kind of action, that kind of style, and make it successfully into a game. Am I crazy? Or no, is this... that's, that's a very good point. I never really thought about that. But, yeah, everyone's trying to harness that stylish combat that the movies had. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of awkward attempts. You're not counting Conqueror's Bad Fur Day? Uh, that came later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. That, that was the same yeah, year. Yeah. That was the same year. It was 2000. 2001. Yeah. Wasn't it 2001? Yeah. Was it was it a late, late N64 game. Huh. God dang. Yeah. And they still got the bullet time in. Um, but I think uh, you and I have also, Bob, kind of talked about um, one more thing in Double May Cry that I feel we we may have missed, and I hope I'm not jumping ahead. Oh, no, go for it. But also with respect to the camera, and it is that Dante seems very aware that he mm-hmm. is sort of being watched. And in cutscenes, like the first time he runs into Alistair, where he's impaled by it, and that mm-hmm. becomes a trope in the series from that point on, right? Every right. game, he sort of gets impaled on a sword <laughs> and then comes off of it for some reason because and it just is. But when he reaches over behind him to grab that sword after he gets up, he sort of looks directly at the camera. Yeah. And it's this moment where you kind of have this almost silent, yeah, I know I just did sort that. Sort of a yeah. Ferris Bueller moment. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. in control here. Don't yeah, worry. and in that scene, back to the Matrix, like there is that bullet time scene with the glass shattering around him and like it's spinning around him in slow motion and stuff right. as he falls backwards onto the sword. I mean, it's like, it looks a little hokey because it's a 14-year-old game for God's sake, but back then it looks so cool. And this game has a really interesting visual style, uh, Devil May Cry 1. So let's just talk about the game. I mean, mm. were, you, were you guys like trying to figure out what the actual release date was like out in the hallway earlier? Yeah. Okay. yeah. If you look on Wikipedia, I think it says uh, like late August, but I definitely remember 
getting it in fall, and I'm pretty sure I pre-ordered I, it. I, I have it October eleventh for yeah, sounds, uh, the U.S. release date. That yeah, correct. it's yeah. like I remember it being like a kind of like a Halloweeny type game, mm-hmm. and like yeah. and like Jose was saying earlier, like. I, I, it's hard, like, you can't take Dante at face value. We should talk about the main character, Dante, because, I mean, there's not a lot to him. Like, I, at one point, I was like, oh, this must be what Japan thinks is cool. But I think there is a kind of winking self-awareness where it's like, this guy is kind of a jackass. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they, they really play that up in DMC. But he's, yeah. like, he's talking to no one in particular. Like, no. he can't yeah, possibly yeah. be talking to anyone. And like Jose says, he knows there's a camera watching him. And that's basically what the game is about, is about performing, looking cool, mm. and being, like, this badass. Yeah. No, and he, uh, he yeah, maybe he's not very aware but uh, he is very much brash and arrogant and nothing like a Resident Evil character where those those characters are more like survivors like no one yeah. looks cool at least in the first three Resident Evils I can't think only Barry in the cool, cool opening with the FMV <laughs> well yeah, yeah Barry had a cool gun like you know everyone looked at that huge hand cannon and you were just like oh my yeah. god but um, no one quite looked like Dante in any of the the, the way we recognize those games to be those survival horror games that led to that first stylish mm-hmm. action game. Yeah. But I do feel like some of stylish action, and maybe this helps this point and maybe it doesn't. I don't have a lot of uh, evidence to support this, but <laughs> it does feel very rooted in like early um, – or 90s, like, action arcade games, like beat-em-ups almost, like just sort of scrolling through stages, beating up on things, Mm -hmm. um, having some moves and some weapons to kind of pick up and use, and you not really being afraid of everything. Mm. I'm not saying it's like it it links back to Double Dragon or The Punisher or something like that, like those kind of coin-op arcade games, but it does feel inspired by some of that. That is interesting. Like, I was trying to figure out, like, what the roots of this game were because, I mean, you have, like, combos, like, in a fighting game and you're fighting enemies, like, in a brawler, but that's a really good point like this kind of just made it all happen in 3D and I don't think anyone made as good of an action game in 3D until this point is that being crazy to say that like I feel like when I play Devil May Cry I'm like this is how a 3D action game works like 3D platformers are fine but now this all feels so good like Castlevania 64 didn't work for me like things like that I feel like uh, I've told you this before but I feel like Dino Crisis 2 was pretty close. Really? Uh, okay. That might sound crazy. I've never played it, so you could be right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. this, it had sort of a ready aim function, just like a Resident Evil would, and just like the first Devil May Cry did, but it also had a very quick melee attack. One of the characters had like this big machete, and he could just swing it out mm-hmm. very quickly, and you couldn't perform combos with it, but it still felt really good, Greg, mm-hmm. to switch between like gun combat and melee combat, and I don't know if I had played a 3D game that had gotten that part of it right in that style before. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. In my mind, there's a very clear uh, shift in sort of vision uh, between 1 and 2 and then 3. Uh, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but... No, I mean, we could talk about the design of one because it is so unique to the series and it could be my favorite still, even though it's very weird and not what the series would eventually become. Mm-hmm. Like, it is very about uh, like exploring this one confined location and mm-hmm. the same, like, res- very Resident Evil puzzles, like finding emblems, finding keys, doing stuff like that. But please continue, Greg. Well, I was just thinking, you know, in my mind, the, definitely the, the fighting game influence comes out way more in 3. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1, I really feel like it is, uh, like, not that far a leap from something like Onimusha, which was yeah. itself sort of a small leap from Resident Evil. You know, Resident Evil in a different setting, and you have a sword. Uh, now you have a sword and guns. Mm. Um, and, but it's still basically played like an RE game, except you're just really powerful. Um, obviously more action-focused, but it still had this sort of slow pacing and gothic horror. It's a little eerie. Uh, you're solving puzzles. 
and you don't have that much choice in your combat. There's there's more choice than I think most uh, games up to that point. But then when you hit three, it really is about. Uh, I really think it is kind of uh, taking what they knew from 2D fighters and 2D yeah. rollers and transferring it pretty much verbatim to yeah. a 3D game. And uh, you start seeing uh, things like combo videos emerge, Absolutely. Uh, which was a, a phenomenon that had previously only really existed with stuff like Marvel vs. Capcom 2, mm. you know, like yeah, fighting yeah. games. Uh, and they found a way to have add that much flexibility and style with the combat and choice uh, that uh, people started creating this sort of style scene with Devil May Cry. Yeah, I mean, three. it would get very much more technical, like, because mm-hmm. with three, there are four different styles, and I assume a different moveset per weapon per style. So it yeah. gets that complicated, and yeah. eventually, like, I mean, like, what Kami is doing now and what DMC does is, like, a huge evolution of that, where it's, like, frame frame perfect stuff you can do yeah. and, like, these crazy cancels and blocks. But in this game, it's still very basic, and this game feels very experimental. Like, I like to remind people, this game has first-person underwater stages like no yeah. one remembers that. I mean we it, forgot it, it's literally two rooms and, I, and I'm pretty yeah. sure Capcom was like let's see what this is like you know yeah. we, we could use this in another game maybe and then there's like the weird Star Fox style like oh, final yeah. boss yeah. fight like no one remembers point. these things but it was like well, this is this is weird and cool like I'm glad someone yeah. is doing this so it has kind of the same diversity and, and just randomness as uh, Bayonetta yeah, what you're yeah. Saying, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. that he carried that over to his his new yeah, studio. There's definitely for sure. a line of, of commonality when, in terms of the creator. There. Oh yeah, in a lot of ways, Bayonetta is the Devil May Cry sequel from Kamiya we never got. Um, one more point to the original game is that it had an economy. It had the system where you perform well, you get orbs, you buy new, you know, more powerful moves. You you sort of get the stinger is the coolest thing you wanted to get right away because you wanted you to close to the, the distance, right yeah, between you and a target as quickly as you can. And then the double jump, which was expensive, it was super <laughs> exp- like that thing cost a bunch it of red orbs, a lot, like tens of thousands of yeah, orbs. Yeah, but once you got it, you were like, okay, now I could explore this these sort of like gothic, you know, hallways and, and spaces and try to find secrets, which there were. Some like it was a, a mysterious like Resident Evil like castle, but you had so many abilities yeah, on your belt. I love the setting in this game, but I, I do want to know like where you guys were when this game came out, and like what were you anticipating it? Because like this oh, was yeah. a very like great fall for the PS2. We have like Metal Gear Solid 2, Silent Hill 2. Uh, we have Devil May Cry. We have things like uh, Eco. Mm-hmm. Like 2001, a fall was like this. Okay, now the PS2 is great. Like. Did you guys know about this game? I, I know I reserved it, and like I was like a, a regular mall rat at this time, and <laughs> the the software etc. I frequented. They were, they were getting rid of their Dante standee like a few weeks after the game. Uh, the game uh, was out, and I took that home. Like oh, nice. I had a giant Dante standee with like glowing red eyes in my room for like the rest of the year. I yeah, guess until he, I got rid of Bob it. Bob would wake up and go, "Time to go to work. <laughs> Leave the house. Let's rock." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, I was on board. I was like, "Okay, I, I want something to play for my PlayStation 2. This yeah. looks, this looks so cool." And uh, like Jose, well, how about you? Like, where were you? Did you want this immediately? Yeah. So what year was this? It's 2001. Okay. Yeah. So I was uh, either in college or just getting out of college, and I remember being on. Board from the second I saw the first trailer, where I was like, what is this? And I think if I remember right, it sort of brought up, you know, from the makers of Resident Evil or something. But it was a completely different spin. Like you saw this main character just shooting up the place like no character in a Resident Evil game could yeah. and moving and, and sort of combating. And I would read previews in EGM. 
And I would remember them just describing that this is this is Resident Evil with the scales completely tipped the other way, <laughs> where you are like a dominating, powerful character who everything in the mansion or in this castle needs to be afraid of you. And I was really taken by that idea. And granted, I wasn't I wasn't that into like uh combat driven games. I mean, I was into mm. Street Fighter mm. and I like Street Fighter, but I definitely wasn't as good as like, you know, th- th- those uh, like really really uh, those yeah. folks who put in a ton of time and, you know, had combos and and things down like like nobody's business. Um but I really did admire that concept. And also it was at a time when like I feel the PlayStation to me didn't have sort of a uh, I was looking for games that were different, that weren't like the previous generation. And to me, this was one of those first games that stood out. Yeah, there was nothing like this before, even though, like we said, there were steps building towards it. Yeah, like this and Metal Gear Solid uh, 2 were two games that I absolutely wanted a PlayStation 2 to experience. Um, And they were, you know, really, really good. The PS2 was the first console where I, it really struck me that uh, it takes a while for consoles to really get their footing, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, a, for sure. I was a senior in high school when this game came out, and I had uh, gotten a PS2, you know, a few months before this, uh, and it was kind of just grasping at titles. You know, there wasn't that much out yet that really spoke to me. I was just kind of getting whatever reviewed well. You know, I was like the first game I got was Red Faction, which is fine. It was just not really my thing. Hmm. But it was, like, all I could think of to play, you know? And it wasn't until that fall when I, I really felt like the PS2 had come into its own. I think GTA 3 came out, and then uh, and then DMC, and then other stuff. But, yeah, definitely, uh, for me, it was PSM. Remember that magazine? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that. yeah, for sure. They started that. putting out previews. And uh, first, it was actually the title, I think, that struck me. It just it was such an unusual... Title. <laughs> it was a weird one. Yeah. Has that ever been explained? I mean, you're you're the official Capcom well, guy. I'm uh, just curious if there's ever been an official. Everyone statement. always gives some kind of vague, like muttering that you know it's derived from Devil May Care. Yeah. Which I don't know how that applies here. <laughs> yeah. Like I assume that was the that's where it started. But yeah. Like, but there were also action movies like Romeo Must Die and yeah, weird things like that. Right. That it's just like, well, why not? You know, yeah. let's be weird. You see what of, happens. Yeah, just a, a different type of naming convention, and uh, it's really evocative. Like, there's nothing. Like, there are a few games that sound like immediately like mm. interesting. Like, ooh, Devil May Cry. What's yeah. that mean? Yeah, yeah. And you heard that sort of that music in the trailer, which was uh, I don't quite know what genre. I yeah, would what, describe. what would you call the music in? Uh, <laughs> it's not yeah, quite new metal one. or yeah. uh, whatever. Well, God, I don't even remember with one. That you know, I, I, again, I think that they kind of turned over a new leaf with three, and that's when you get that really uh, like. Yeah, you know that kind of borderline screamo. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) one. I mean, it's just kind of gothic, like you know, 
uh, eerie mood music. But even that riff that played when you were in combat, like you looked forward to that. At least I did. I don't know. Yeah. I was, maybe I was just a dumb twenty. No, year old it, it, like, it, really, it feeds into the action because it's yeah. like you just the, the guitars. Sorry, the guitars kick in and it's yeah. like let's yeah. kick ass. And yeah, then, you hear that riff on the guitar and you're just like, this kicks ass. I'm about <laughs> to kick ass. Like let's do this, and you do. I can't even remember how you would see a game trailer back then before you. Uh, I don't. <laughs> that's a great question. So there was a CDs that came packed in with yeah, some, that's probably with it. some uh, magazines. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure the internet uh, was yeah. When there like trailers on stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean I remember obsessing over the Metal Gear Solid Two trailer. Ooh, man, you'd, you'd go to IGN or something yeah. and, and watch a postage stamp sized video and be like, I bet that looks amazing. <laughs> the watermark squint. takes up most of it. Yeah, you'd yeah. squint really hard and you would imagine. No, but but that that trailer I still remember like just getting goosebumps from the concept because that trailer sold me so well. Mm. Yeah. But with the with the PSM preview, them talking about being able to juggle enemies with your bullets, that was the very first thing. I was like, I will buy this day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fact that you could just swipe, yeah. you're up there now, and then... T- t- I think I was already, like, wishing for a game that had, like, uh, you know, sword and guns together. There were, I remember when... Uh, do you remember Rising Xan on the PS1? Oh, just oh, barely, Samurai yeah. Gunman? Samurai Gunman. I still wanted that idea to be good. <laughs> and yeah. the, the idea was good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, and that that's kind of why um, I, I, like I said earlier, when I talked to Bob about when I think about the Genesis game, I always wonder if Dino Crisis 2 had any sort of hand in it, just because it had an economy, it had that, sim- that simple way to bounce between those two combat styles. I'm not saying it did it very well, hmm. but it felt like the seed could have been planted been from there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it just continued to evolve into what Devil May Cry uh, turned mm-hmm. into. And those boss fights, that spider. We yeah. Talked oh, yeah. About I wrote that down. Well, let me introduce it real quick. Like, uh, Kamiya, his goal with this game is, like, I want to make a game for people who play video games. I want to challenge, like, I, I'm not going to say true gamers, but you know what I mean, like, people right. who are good at video games. And this game, playing it now is easy because I've played Dark Souls. I've played Bloodborne. I've done, I've done it all. Mm. I've seen it all, baby. But uh, <laughs> this game, like, that Fire Scorpion was, like, that was, that was like, a very Zyka moment where like everyone was playing the game like there was a penny arcade strip about it like that was a trial by fire moment like yep. you need to learn how the how the devil trigger works mm-hmm. which is a thing where you turn into a different form and you can get health back by attacking enemies yep. you need to learn how to dodge you need to learn how to like take cover things like that item like, cowboy I mean you could sit on the back of the spider yeah. and shoot down at it but the only way you knew that was from the attract mode like the game yeah. didn't really show exactly. you exactly yeah, yeah yeah but I mean that that was the moment for everyone where it's like you either learn how to fight this boss or you trade the game in because it's going to get a lot harder from here I mean like were we all in that weird uh, like the, on the same page with this boss because I, I know I was like 20, maybe 20 tries it took me and then oh I, yeah. yeah it's definitely that first moment I think where uh, you realize like you're gonna have to do some hard work to get through the game and then it's like you have your breakthrough moments like oh now I know how to do it and then it's easy yeah I mean yeah. but I'm no, like, ultimate awesome gamer, but when I played it recently, it was, like, maybe it took me a minute to fight him, and I was like, oh, why, why was this hard? When you but, know what to do, you yeah. know what to do. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, if anything, I think that um, the at least the opening of Devil May Cry, those first couple of levels... I like the idea that when you did get to the spider, if you couldn't take him, you retreated to the oh, other right, levels yeah. to mm-hmm. grind sort of orbs oh, yeah. and then buy some of the additional moves. Like, if you didn't have the stinger and you tried to fight that spider... It was really yeah. tough. Yeah, like, it's pretty tough. There were some attacks that if you timed it just right, when he fired like a fireball out of his mouth, you can actually, I think, hit it back or even like, yeah. use a stinger to, to like, jam just basically into his mouth. Yeah, there's a lot of flexibility actually with the boss fights in that game, and they sort of encourage you to explore. You can actually, yeah, you can parry the fireballs back and do massive damage. And then there's that chase scene after the first fight 
yes. where he comes back yeah. at, yeah. after you in the hallway, yeah, and but, you can totally just run away into that safe room. Yeah. yeah you or you can actually him. parry fireballs at him until he dies. Yeah, wow. and get a lot of uh, red orbs, which is the universal DMC currency. Yep. yep. Yeah. And you want that in a blue orbs especially, right? Because you wanted stuff to sort of buff your health and mm-hmm. give you a chance to stay alive longer. Because right. it wasn't a game where you had, like, strength stats or anything like that. No. Like, the, uh, the, the arsenal you had was basically your way to deal better damage, but mm-hmm. you wanted to keep Dante alive as long as you could. I think, like, those upgrades in the, in the economy and stuff, like, it really speaks to me as uh, someone like Kami who grew up with 8-bit games because those kind of mechanics feel very 8-bit to me, like beating a boss, mm-hmm. getting its weapon, like uh, getting heart containers or whatever you want to call them, the blue orbs, and yeah. then, you know, right. maxing up your, your max health and your max magic. Like, they, they feel very, like, of the 8-bit tradition mm-hmm. that he came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Sort of, I mean, and we haven't talked too much about the meticulous grading. That's right, right. yeah, that's oh, yeah. very important. Please, Jose, like, yeah. that is a Kami, uh, like, he is a cruel taskmaster. <laughs> yeah, no, and I did. I don't think I really dawned on me just how. Um evil the grading system to Devil May Cry could be yeah. until you and I talked about it when we worked at 1UP together and it was just like yeah you are constantly being judged your <laughs> combat prowess your combo prowess your ability to not take a hit uh, and you would see the scale on screen you know the points would increase but then the letter grade would also increase mm-hmm. and so you got that satisfaction of okay I've gone from D to C I've gone from C to B I've moved up to and then you discovered S and mm-hmm. you're like oh my god like after A <laughs> you're just like wait what is an S and now there's two S's <laughs> Yeah, what is going on? Yeah. Uh, but it, it was a satisfying thing uh, in hindsight because it just it made you feel like, yeah, I'm doing that good. And I'm actually, like, beating this system for the most part. Like, I'm, I'm making it work. Yeah, I mean, you, you basically had to never stop hitting a button. Like, I, I love that uh, future games would le- would automate sorry would automate the gunfire. But in this game, you have to be, like, hitting the button as fast as you can fire the gun, like mm-hmm. the, the, the square yeah, button. almost like a Mega Man game or something, right? Yeah. Where you have to, like, just – or uh, I'm, I'm forgetting some Or like a shmup or something. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely uh, some parallels to make with Mega Man, especially in 3. but uh, Not Mega Man 3, but DMC 3. Mm. But now I just kind of picture Kamiya in the room heckling you. <laughs> That's the best. Kind of what he do. does on Twitter, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. he's just transferred that grading system over. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, anything more to say about the May Cry One? I mean, we're going to go into the sequel in a second here. I just want to make sure we hit everything. Like, it's really great. I think it's very uh, unique to the series. It's something that, that I like, where it's this weird. A mishmash of Resident Evil and an action game where yeah. I'm glad they stepped away from it but still it's a wholly unique and interesting experience that can yeah. only really happen in this one moment in time and, and that's why I like it. How do you guys feel about it in comparison to the rest of the games? I think uh, in, in some ways I still feel like they really nailed the the Dante character. I mean, you know, it was, it was a fairly basic archetype but he was just the right amount of cocky. He wasn't so over the top like mm. uh, you know, zany Ninja Turtle Character, and he right? doesn't talk that much in this he game. He doesn't talk that much, but when he does, uh, you know, you get that sense of who he is. You get a little bit of character, some yeah. jokes, uh, you know, but he still has an emotional side. We all know the dark side or dark soul with light line. I made, I made a note of that. We have to acknowledge it. I mean, even if you dislike oh, the line God. reading, it's still it's still one <laughs> oh, of the greatest line I, readings. I expunged that from my brain, and <laughs> well, I was like, wait, what is he? Oh, no, that's right. I that will put happened. it in the episode right here. I should have been the one to fill your dark soul with light! This is a more specific thing. I wanted to note about Phantom because you were talking about him. The, oh, the, the spider the, guy. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this. You probably did. When you encounter him the final time, do you know about the window? There's like so. There's like the whole middle of the room is this glass window, and he does this like jump stomp move, and if you 
like guide him to stomp on the window like five times. He'll crash through and die right away. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. And that's that's awesome. the, uh, to me, that's also sort of an NES-y kind of thing. It's yeah. like you just know these little secrets. Yeah, like a weird arcane secret. You'd it's have awesome. to read a magazine to know. Yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of some of the Resident Evil like puzzle elements, like find the key uh, kind of stuff. Like I have to admit, some of that stuff went right over my head because it almost felt tonally at odds with how the action game concept of it worked. And it's very disorienting too. Like the camera yes. angles are made to make you confused and not know where you yeah, are. Yeah. So, yeah. But in hindsight, uh, the you know, the minute-to-minute combat is what I really enjoyed. Like fighting those wolves that became shadows into the ground. Oh, yeah. At certain, <laughs> like they, Still a really cool graphical yeah, effect, too. Great graphical effect, great fight, really satisfying. And then when you pump up the difficulty, the way the behaviors on yeah. a lot of the enemies changed completely caught me off guard. Um, and a lot of the boss fights I thought were really good. Like you can say what you want about um, sort of the story, and I, you know, I don't really like to. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have strong opinions one way or the other on regarding Devil May Cry and, and the stories in Devil May Cry, and, mm. and some of them. I mean, I have very harsh opinions about the second one, <laughs> but uh, I will say that um, in terms of like you within the first three or four levels, I want to say maybe the fifth level, you're fighting an, someone that feels like an equal in Nello Angelo. Mm. And you start to put together, even though that ends up, you know, you find out it's Virgil, it was still a really cool moment because up until that point, yeah, the spider boss was tough, but I felt like nothing could really stand toe-to-toe with you. And then here you are fighting mm. something that is absolutely just like you. Mm. And you're like, well, wait a minute. What's going to happen? <laughs> um, and so I really enjoyed that in, in hindsight. Like I really li- remember a lot of the boss fights and just – really studying and trying my best to figure out their phases and how to fight them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still think it holds up. Uh, I, I, I wholeheartedly recommend you get the uh, HD collection that came out like two, three or four years ago. I reviewed it for one-up. I think I gave it a really good score. But it's an it's amazing deal. The The games look fantastic, and, and at least one in three are worth playing. So, <laughs> mm, <laughs> I'm sorry. of the game yes. So, unfortunately, we have a little bit of a sophomore slump with Devil May Cry 2. Uh, it came out in January of 2003, and this is one of a few times when I worked at a game store where people took their anger uh, about a game out on me. Where uh, <laughs> really? It was this and Metal Gear Solid 2. Like, mm. the game came out. We sold a billion copies. Next day, a line of people, like, mm. angry, like, I want to trade this in. Like, what is this? Like, I didn't make the game, but... <laughs> Here's the thing. I want to be charitable to it, and not just because Greg's here. Like, I was playing it again, and I keep trying to, um, I keep trying to replay this game. Like, I, I want to at least play through it, you know, give it a chance. But it's like, it's it's a it's a good action game for 2003. It does not feel like a Devil May Cry game to me. I mean, it has the visual elements and the characters, but the way the fighting feels is so different. And I think it's because, like, I interviewed uh, Hideaki uh, Itsuno mm-hmm. um, earlier in this year for US Gamer. Please check that out that that interview. I was really excited about it. But um, he was essentially brought onto the project to sort of like halfway through the de- development to save it like mm-hmm. it was a funny story in the interview he's like uh, 
um, he was essentially just like recruited, like he'll do it, and he was like, I will. And so yeah, he was basically yeah. thrown on, not really. I mean, he, he's a talented guy based oh, on what yeah. he did in the future, but I, I don't know if he was ready to, you know, direct a Devil May Cry at this yeah, point well, in his life. Well, for folks who don't know, though, what were some of the things he worked on in the future? If you could just give them. Uh, oh, uh, a, a quick... Dragon's Dogma, uh, okay. Devil May Cry Three, which is fantastic, and Four. Okay. And uh, is there anything else he's worked on? I, I can't. Well. So, I guess not since. Then. I mean, he was heavily involved in DMC. Um, yeah, so that's I'm, right. I'm he sure was overseeing that. Yeah. Realized, but then yeah, Dogma and 4SE. Yeah, and that's DMC ones. the reboot, kids, not DMC the first one. Yeah, it could get a little confusing. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Uh, I, don't, I think something that's lesser known about him is uh, what he did before. That's DMC what I want to know. He yeah. actually, I think they brought him on because uh, he had a pretty uh, good resume already, and but it was just so late. You know that there was only so much he could do, um, but he he was a director for years. He did a lot of uh, fighting games that are, um, you know, sort of. I always think of them as the more fun fighting games, maybe less uh, like esports so, stuff. N- but like name drop, name Capcom drop. versus SNK two, Power okay. Stone, Power Stone two, oh, yeah. Plasma Sword, all the ones that I love. Plasma Sword, yeah, it's I love that game. He came from fighting because so did the Monster Hunter director. Like he was yeah. making sprites and Darkstalkers, and then he was suddenly the mm-hmm. Monster Hunter guy. It's like they come from these places you don't expect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so you know he he knew how to direct the game he knew the process and he had a knack for action albeit in a different format uh, so they brought him on and I don't think it was really until 3 that he got to do what he wanted with the mm. series yeah, yeah yeah and I mean Capcom basically after Devil May Cry 1 realized they had a hit on their hands right I mean it yeah. sold well or at least it sold well enough to them that they said well we're going to make a second one um, who knows why and you know the changes that it went through yeah. but it was a Unfortunate. And I have to be honest, I'm going to be very clear. I have finished Devil May Cry 2 <laughs> six times. You're allowed to say whatever you want about yeah, it. Yeah, you are. You're yeah. the most knowledgeable so person. I, yeah. I put in a ton of time on that game, and I still remember that, that first night disappointment, right? Like, I remember getting out of work, bringing it home, sort of playing through it and going, this just feels tonally weird. And even the, the main villain, which looks like uh, a weird cross between... Uh, Oh my god! Like some weird like uh, it looks like Nobunaga to me. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Like it in every game bit. back then. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, and and so or some '80s like movie actor. I don't know. Like I, I'm sure I could think of someone. Maybe Ted Danson with a beard. Like I'm not sure, but <laughs> wow. uh, with a mustache. But um, but it 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 was strange to me because after playing it so many times, the conclusion I came to is that Dante. I mean, he changed a lot tonally in that game, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he was the silent, stoic type. It felt like he was much more mature, and the idea was for him to be older. Mm -hmm. But I had a lot more fun fighting as the other character in the game. She felt more true to what what the style of that game was, whereas Dante's fighting style... And I was at, like, crazy levels of hype for that game (laughs) because, like, you saw the trailer and I just saw a wall run and I lost my mind. Yeah, Yeah, that's a big big feature in this game is wall run. I just was like, oh, my goodness. And that was, again, like, young 20-something Jose learned very hard, (laughs) a hard lesson that day (laughs) where, like, trailers, like, you can get excited about something and then find out it can fall completely flat. Mm. So you guys have kind of danced around this, but... Why is Devil May Cry 2 so bad? Like, you just talk about it in these vague terms. Uh, What's the mm. deal? 
I, I don't think, get it. Like I said, it, it doesn't feel like a Devil May Cry game. I, I feel like the action is is a little like I just felt like it was a little too dumbed down. And I don't know if they're trying to make it an easier game. A lot of people complained about it was a little too easy, but I just felt like I was just you know using the same attack over and over again mm-hmm. when I was playing. I mean, there are some really cool things it does. Like a dodge button is great because in Devil May Cry One, I think you need to hit three buttons to dodge roll, like R one, X, and then like it's what the direction side. you're going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The like this game need this this kind of game needs a dodge button. And then mm-hmm. the, the wall running and is really cool too. But it's like they trade they traded for scope, so that you have these really big environments, but there's not a lot happening in them. Yeah, no, the, the environments yeah. felt empty, Jeremy. Like the boss fights weren't quite as as tough or as memorable. Um, you end up, I ended up feeling just very flat at certain parts of the game, where even mm-hmm. though I. I, I could just spam the same move. I was trying to show off and mess around with that depth and that complexity that was in the first game, and it, it didn't feel like it was there. Even moves that you saw in the first game that were great at closing the distance between you and an enemy, like the Stinger, completely changed. They didn't cover the same amount of ground. The animation, it felt like there was more focus on animation than on the actual hit and the impact of that mm, hit. Yeah, And sure. so it kind of caught me off guard, but I kept playing, and I think I finished it that night, actually. Wow. Which also surprised Both characters? Me. <laughs> uh, I no. Don't okay, we should say. I don't think it was both. No. There yeah. are two discs, one with Dante yeah. and one with Lucia or Lucia, however you want to say it. But uh, like, I didn't try the second character. What is what is the difference? Is it the same levels? Is it different levels with a different play style? I mean, um, it's been a couple of years for me, but her her. Oh, it, it's hard for me to put my finger on, but it was definitely a very different style than Dante. I mean, I don't think she had. Uh, for example, Dante had guns, so he had sort of. Uh, a way to sort of attack enemies from a distance. Her distance weapon was very different that I recall. Mm. Um, and her her blades and her combos were essentially a lot more fun to pull off mm. and there was a lot more that I felt you can do um, than, say, Dante. Uh, and it might just be that she was just a new face or a, a different type of character and I think that's what ultimately got me. Like, I can't quite put my finger on what it was, but I really enjoyed playing as her versus uh Part, trying to get through uh, the part. Part of it Dante. might be that you're, the bar is set with DMC1 Dante for Dante, and there is no bar for Lu- Lucia. I, I think say. that was it. Yeah, I think it was definitely uh, partially mm-hmm. that because, um, you know, it, it definitely wasn't from a story perspective even, like, any any interest to sort of keep going with that game. Hmm. But uh, at the time this game came out, I was kind of like that too with uh, highly anticipated games. Like, I took home Metal Gear Solid 2 and finished it that night. Wow. I was up to like 6 a.m. Awesome. Almost falling asleep when fission mail happened. <laughs> I had to find out <laughs> That's what the best happened. way to do it. Yeah, like, um, wait, am I asleep now? What's yeah, and, and <laughs> Devil May Cry 2 was the same case. Mm. Um, but, it, you know, the, it ultimately ended with just sort of, oh, man, I don't know how I feel about this. And so I played it mm. and finished it again and played and finished it again. Um, I think three times was enough, but then I just <laughs> did it a few more times after that. I, I think it's hard to be uh, mean to a game after this much time has passed. Like, it didn't personally hurt me in any way. And I'm glad <laughs> that, like... Customers almost did. <laughs> the, the, yeah, I was almost killed. But uh, I'm glad that the series recovered. I mean, you can look, look at this as, like, a, a step in the wrong direction that they eventually righted. And one thing I found that was odd, and, and I, I, don't expect, I don't expect Greg to explain this, but, like, Kamiya found out they were making a sequel without him. <laughs> like, oh, through the... like I didn't know that. <laughs> during the localization process of one, he found that out and he's mm-hmm. like oh why don't you guys ask me to make a sequel like mm-hmm. I don't know what he was doing at that time maybe he was doing Beautiful Joe or starting with that but um, yeah. yeah I just found that well, uh, maybe that was like the missing touch but I mean clearly the series didn't need him after after this game I mean 3 is really good and we'll talk yeah. about that in a minute but is there anything else with 2 like 
Am I missing anything? Should I ever try it again? Like, this is well, my fourth try, and it wouldn't stick again. So, as far as playing again, uh, it's probably worth mentioning that you can unlock Trish as a playable character. Oh, okay. And she actually has uh, Dante's DMC1 moveset, more nice. or less. Nice, Okay. Okay. So That's sweetening the deal. A lot of people say she's the most fun character. Mm. Hmm. Um, okay. I cannot confirm for myself. <laughs> okay, okay. No, no uh, that's fair. And then, you know, I think it's also worth saying, uh, I think when you, when you have... Uh, a new IP that probably overperforms. Uh, it can be a little tricky understanding why. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, if you look back at like Street Fighter, you know, Street the next Street Fighter game was going to be Final Fight, and it was like they didn't really yeah, have. And then there right. was like Street Fighter 2010, which is like a big joke now. <laughs> yeah. It's like they just didn't really know what the series was yet. You know, it's hard to go back. Uh, and put yourself in that mindset where, like, you don't you don't know what Street Fighter is, but this is before it was a hit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they were trying to make a good game. Clearly, they wanted to save this game, which is yeah. why they recruited Itsuno to be like, you should figure this out. Help mm-hmm. us make this better. But, you know, yeah. things don't always work out, It is just a shame that, like, with some sequels, history keeps repeating itself, that the key talent involved in that first hit sometimes doesn't get asked to work on the second one. I feel like that's the story with Metal Gear 2, right? Uh, Snake's oh, Revenge. Oh, yeah, that's Where, right. <laughs> you know, like, Kojima didn't know and then found out later and was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it just seemed to happen in the Japanese yeah. game scene, and I don't know if that's just the business practice or whatnot. I, th- I think, like, uh, directors have more ownership. One of the th- Now they do. One of the things I discovered in doing research is, like, uh, before uh, before Mikami, before Resident Evil, like, there was no role of director at Capcom. Uh, in an interview with Kamiya uh, mm-hmm. on 1UP, uh, apparently um, Kamiya, sorry, or Mikami insisted that the role that be, sorry that role be instituted at mm-hmm. Capcom in like the mid '90s. So before that, I don't think anyone could really claim ownership of a project. So maybe mm-hmm. there are some issues with that. I mean, th- this is this is much much before DMC too. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, he'd be the right guy for that. I mean, well, just given the success of Resident Evil and how that kind of made him a name we all recognized, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he, it, you know, he is credited most with that vision of why mm-hmm. that game turned out the way it did. But even I mean, even then, uh, you wouldn't really. They wouldn't try and sell you on, uh, like, this auteur thing. Like, they wouldn't market it that way. Yeah, so this is a Kamiya game. You should right. be interested. Now, yeah. I think that's still a relatively, you know, recent idea in games. Is yeah. to, this is this person's game. Absolutely. Yeah, and even then, it doesn't happen that often. You know, like, Steven yeah. Spielberg's name will end up on a box before yeah. most directors. Or, on a, or on a boom like blocks, that. that is. Right? Yeah, on a boom <laughs> box. A.K.A. <laughs> nice Angry Birds 3D. And that's, <laughs> That's actually why I try to talk up Itsuno-san every chance I get because I think he's terrific. No, I'm really impressed by his I love his philosophy. Pretty much every game is done. and I apologize if I was being stuttery. It's the end of a long recording day in a very hot studio, long recording weekend, but we're going to soldier on and talk about the main attraction, at least uh, I think my favorite of these games, and that is um, Devil May Cry 3, which is a real turnaround for the series. Again, uh, I urge you to check out my interview with Itsuno. He says this is his, like, a very challenging experience, but one that he's very proud of. It's Mm -hmm. like a fresh start. It's kind of like casting the series in his own mold. It's kind of shaking off what it was and turning it into what it is now, and I, I can tell Greg,
Greg is really excited to talk about oh, yeah. this. Uh, mm-hmm. Please, Greg, like I want you to extol the virtue. What are the what are the greatest <laughs> elements of this game? And like it's so technical, it's so beautiful. Yeah. It's just I, I I have a real appreciation for it. I think I mean yeah, like I said before, I think that's really where you see the identity of the series as it is now emerge. And yeah, I I think Itsuno-san was was fully uh, you know involved from day one on this one and this was his vision from beginning to end I mean also, he had a team with him of course but right. uh, again going back to that art book this is Devil May Cry 3142 graphic arts by the way if anyone's interested this should be coming out soon but um, he, he talks about how uh, this was the game you know he didn't want to just be the director of two and then be done with it because then your reputation kind of right I mean, he admits that like there was a negative reception. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. not like it's not like it's not a fact. Like people did not like the game yeah. in 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 their own way. I mean, like we said, it's not an awful game. It just didn't do what a Devil May Cry game should do. Right. But. And so I think the approach for him with three was: this is the game where I'm going to put in everything I want Devil May Cry to be. This mm-hmm. is this is my game. And then uh, they say this in the book, so I feel okay saying it. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll I'll pass the torch after that. He says that he doesn't really think of himself as the father of Devil May Cry. He's more of a like a foster father. Hmm. Actually, he used to, he said foster mother. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> uh, but it's very nurturing. And he was going to pass it on, and then uh, well, we'll get to four later. But he ended up doing four. But with three, yeah, that is really where they they sort of uh, raised the bar in terms of how technical the combat was. You just have. Uh, so many options, and and there's a lot of stuff under the hood that um, you know warranted uh, a sort of unprecedented level of experimentation for a game like this. Well, yeah, and the the answer became like a stylish combat action game where different styles is sort of the key, like giving you different fighting styles to choose from, and so you start out and you might choose Swordmaster and then you'll mm-hmm. sort of play around with Gunslinger or you'll play around Royal Guard was the one that blew my mind because it was almost a defensive like turtling style which I did not expect from a Devil May Cry mm-hmm. game I expect that from a Street Fighter a right. Virtua Fighter you know that's how Akira fights in Street Fighter like you, you sort of play defensively um, I think that was really really novel and really smart just to kind of give players different styles where they can sort of experiment, unlock different weapon and move sets respective to that style that do cool things. Uh, and also Dante is coked out of his mind <laughs> yeah. in this game. He's pretty crazy. Riding I mean, on rockets. Yeah. And just all kinds of insanity. This is the advent of the new metal era of Tough Maker, yeah, I think. Like with borderline screamo stuff. Crunchy yes. guitars and everything. And mm-hmm. like like we're talking about, there's four different styles to choose from. Uh, you can't choose from them on the fly. You eventually could later in later games, which is mm-hmm. a really good idea. And they're all very different. They all have different movesets. They all interact with the weapons in a different way. And, man, the weapons in this game I love because mm-hmm. my, my friends introduced me to this game. And when I saw the weapons, I'm like, this was designed by a committee of 12-year-olds, and I love it. <laughs> there, was a, there was an electric guitar yeah. that fires electric bats at enemies. Yes. And yeah. I'm like, Every yes. weapon is an invention that they came up with for yeah. the game, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. I, like ice nunchucks. Like, oh, man, like everything so is, good. I mean, everything is way over the top. Like, they recognize, like, this is what Devil May Cry fans want. They mm-hmm. want crazy action, like, unbelievable cinematics. Like, mm-hmm. there's the, he does, like, a guitar solo when he gets the bat guitar. Like, what more oh, could yeah. you ask for? Yeah, they also dialed Dante back to a younger, more arrogant version of the first game, which I guess they sort of realized, maybe in hindsight, like, to sort of having him as a sort of stoic uh, 
demon hunter. He was almost like Vampire Hunter D in the second game. He just <laughs> he had true. nothing yeah. to say, yeah. but he's this hybrid who hunts things. So is that what D stands for, Dante? Oh, yeah. Vampire Perhaps. Hunter Dante. Ooh. Yeah. Um, it's actually don't worry. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so the, the, the different styles were really cool. I mean, did that sort of... Which style did you gravitate towards? I, I'm tempted to uh, ask you guys. Definitely Swordmaster. Me too, yeah. yeah. More moves, you know. You're, I guess first and foremost, I was always there for the melee combat, and that's that gives you the the most you can get out of that. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I was also Swordmaster, but I always wanted to see uh, Devil May Cry played in that Royal Guard style. And you mentioned combo videos. I mean, yeah. can you talk a little bit about like maybe think, what people were discovering and doing? This, yeah, so this game came out just before YouTube. I guess about a year before, and... um. So it, it was not an easy thing. I mean, it wasn't an easy thing to even capture footage of a PS2. But uh, there, were, there was a small community of people out there that would uh, dis- dissect the game to such a level that they were basically, it was mad science. You know, They were doing <laughs> things with the game that the game did not teach you how to do. And it's it, like Smash Brothers, like high-level yeah. Smash Brothers play oh, yeah. or something yeah. like that. Well, or it was, you know, it was a lot like stuff you'd see for like... Uh, Mo versus Capcom too. Mm, you know, yeah. that you you could find these combo showcases and where people were just playing the game like you'd never seen before. So, mm-hmm. Wow, I I will never be this good even if I just play all day. Uh, and they were doing that with DMC three, and it was just you'd never seen combat you know on this level it, to the point that it had inspired people to go through the trouble of capturing the footage and like uploading it online hmm. before YouTube even existed. And they would have these tournaments. They call them uh, True Style. That was the big one. Mm. Uh, where uh, you know pe- different people would upload their videos, and then they would be judged on the style, uh, as if the game wasn't judging them enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, ex- well, it was judging though. you. You can't because you can't really create like an algorithm to judge yeah. something like yeah. style. Yeah. No, it's and true. I, I always compare the games to uh, to music, you know, like yeah. improv, jazz, and that's how flexible DMC three was. Is that you could you could really have your own creative ideas. Uh, and do things with the game that uh, you know you might be inventing for the first time. That's really true. I was thinking of this when you were talking about like my experience, and it's like that improv sorry improvisational nature of the game, where it's like, did I just do that? Like mm-hmm. just fi- figuring your way out of situations and realizing how much wiggle room you have and how many different things you can do mm-hmm. step by step. It is amazing. Like getting a triple S rank like combo, you're like, wow, like I want to do that again. Like mm-hmm. what did I even do to get that to happen? It's yeah, yeah. it's and the really origi- encouraging. The original release of Devil May Cry Three was also brutally difficult. Like, yeah, it was like a reminder that Devil May Cry 1 was a thing and it was almost too difficult. It had to be toned down for a special edition if my memory serves me right. Like mm-hmm. it just, it was really, that Cerberus did not play around oh, yeah. when you, even if you got that far. Yeah, I played the special edition because yeah. they let you continue infinitely right. because yeah. I hate systems that are just like, you can either load a save or go through all this rigmarole. So it's like, I'm yeah. glad they cut that out realizing mm-hmm. it was a necessary step. Although you can still play that uh that version. Yeah, can't there's, you? There, there's gold mode, which is the easier one, and then yellow mode. <laughs> yellow mode. <laughs> interesting. Yellow. Interesting. Uh, and and then you had a sort of the way the story kicked off with like I did like that sort of in medias res like Dante versus Virgil, and you're just trying to keep up with what's happening, and yeah. then they ended on a cliffhanger, and then it flashes back to the beginning, and you go from there. Um, even that was like really cool and you know I, I, I do make fun of the story a little bit in this game because I do feel like Dante was insane like he's like a crazy 20 something yeah. uh, or younger maybe even 19 like who knows um, but, you, but you do get introduced to different characters in this game that eventually 
would show up in the series in remakes even later. Like Trish uh, mm-hmm. was was in this game, but then you had Lady, right. who uh, they had some crazy cutscenes too. Yeah. Don't make cry three. Who was the director? So on that? that yeah, that was the game where they uh, they got an actual action movie director. I uh, thought so. Shimomura san, Yuji Shimomura, and he um, you know he had a wealth of experience directing actual action sequences for games, uh, but there's a lot more restrictions when you're working with live action. Mm-hmm. And so, and we just had these interviews go up on YouTube, so I'm drawing from that. But he, he talks about how uh, working on a video game was actually an opportunity for him to, you know, really let his imagination run wild and, and do things he couldn't have done with movies. And it totally shows. Like, the, yeah. it's a cutscene where he's running down the tower. Yes. And he's, like, shooting all, or he's, like, cutting up all the demons and he throws his sword and then shoots the bottom of his sword to make it go even yeah, faster. Yeah, faster. <laughs> just, like, these insane Even, even the opening cutscene where uh, he uh, is shirtless and then has a fight inside of like what I assume is his his bar or his club and they have him doing crazy things like I remember a billiard table getting turned on its side uh, the sort of the ball white ball sailing by his head in slow motion he shoots it mm-hmm. it flies straight into an enemy and kills it and I'm just like this is insane <laughs> but I loved uh, what they did with the action sequences for it uh, even there was this really cool cutscene uh, with Lady um, where they also do the same thing, where mm-hmm. they sort of show her tricky sort of fighting style. Yeah. And she's kind of bobbing and weaving. And eventually it ends with her, like, firing a rocket but using the propulsion to jet herself out of the situation. Yes. And yes. Just like, which becomes what? a move. <laughs> yeah, which was just like, oh, yeah, what is, is going yeah. on? This is so nuts. It's much better than them doing that for Metal Gear, you know, hiring an action director. <laughs> because, like, yeah. with this stuff, with Dante and these crazy characters, it makes sense. Uh, Salt Snake is supposed to be like John McClane, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. I will say Balls it was with your feet. <laughs> Isuno san has, exactly. has said that his, you know, his philosophy regarding the tone is uh, to take silliness very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's a contradiction, but I love it because that's what they'll, like, they'll make cry. Like, I think, like, the, the characters play pretty deadpan. Like, what's yeah. happening around them is insane, but they're just like, that's just my life, you know? Like, yeah. uh, this is what I do. <laughs> I like the cutscene work so much in this game um, that I used to keep a save file and just, like, load the cuts, like, load the section yeah. of that level just to watch that cutscene again. Um, and that says a maybe a lot about my sensibilities when I was in my <laughs> well, 20s. Like, I, mean, I, was, I was into some weird stuff. I mean, The Matrix changed us all. But I really liked it. Like, I have to admit, it was my thing. Nowadays, not so much. <laughs> the first I mean, movie's still really good. They did have a cutscene viewer. Did they add that for special edition? I mm-hmm. think so. But I, yeah, think that's the, the yeah, I think that's the game where they added it. They're like, well, actually... People probably just want to watch these cutscenes. Yeah, I wasn't good with that uh, guitar weapon, by the way, because you brought it up. I yeah. just could not figure it. I out wasn't good with it, but I, I loved like using it. You know, just because it was so like just you're using an electric guitar that fires bats. What else do I what need to say? What every kid in the Midwest yeah. wants. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. I couldn't do that myself without getting arrested. So <laughs> I was hoping there'd be one of these. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, so anything else to say? I mean, like, I think if uh, it's really hard to say, like, this is the my favorite of them, but it's hard to tell people to play this one first because it's really hard. I don't mm. know. Like, should people start with this game or start with one? What is or? chronologically the earliest yeah. in terms of the canon? Uh, I don't know how much that matters to action fans. But, mm. I mean, I don't know because it is sort of an evolution of one. Uh, so... And I think one is still fun enough that it deserves to be played. Yeah. So, um, but I, I don't really know that order matters either. Yeah, uh, that's true. I just don't want people to try this and then get intimidated into like never doing it again. Yeah, I mean, it is. There's there's a lot to absorb. There's just a ton of mechanics. I guess in that sense, one is probably the most yeah. digestible. 
Yeah, I would say start from one. Uh, but I do remember three being a little too long. But this was also in an era of like video games where you know you you plump down your your fifty bucks for a game and you got like twenty to thirty yeah, hours. Yeah, you expected thirty like, hours yeah. out of a game. And it was it, it did not pull punches in you having to maybe grind to get more orbs to be able to do some of that stuff. Oh, and then the sure. fighting style specifically gave you every reason to replay that game mm. because you wanted to, if you were willing to put in the time, experiment and learn some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was the trickster style. I don't know if you got to actually like list them, but the Not trickster, really. the gunslinger, no, swordmaster, and I think it was the royal guard. Royal the trickster guard, yeah. was the one that you can actually dodge with, yep. so it was kind of useful in that you could sort of bob and weave around enemies. Um, and then Swordmaster introduced that move where Dante sort of stands straight up and he spins the sword in yeah, his hand yeah. and you can sort of either hit an enemy above or below it to keep a combo going. Gunslinger, so we didn't talk about this in Devil May Cry 2, but it also blew my mind that in 2 <laughs> they tried to come up with combat where you can shoot at multiple targets. Oh, right, yeah. I, really, I never did that. Yeah, I really, that was another moment that in that trailer I was just like, yes, <laughs> I want to do that. It looks so cool. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, we, we already had the Devil May Cry 2 discussion, so I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> but um, but you you found out in gunslinger mode that depending on the gun you used, you can do some some crazy stuff. Like you can mm. take a shotgun and basically whip it like a like like almost like a nunchuck for a while. Yeah. That's something you can do in the original game. But it wasn't its own thing, from what I could remember. Like hmm. you, you can just do it for a brief period. Whereas in this one, there was some things you can really do with some of these guns that were pretty I think, cool. Yeah, I think it's pretty challenging to think of a way to to have the game have the combat be primarily gun focused and still interesting. Yeah, especially yeah. because guns don't really sure. do the much way the damage. health is scaled. Yeah, it's yeah. not like you're playing Contra. Yeah, exactly. You know? No, that's a great way to put but, it. But uh, they did a pretty good job, I think. Uh, you know, Gunslinger was definitely my second favorite second most used style. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. I will say, like, if you've played, like, Dark Souls and Bloodborne, you will appreciate the combat in Devil May Cry as well. It's, it's just as technical. Uh, Maybe it's not as fast-paced as in Devil May Cry, but I feel like it comes from the same philosophy of, of like, very studied, very, like, um, I don't know, like I said, technical, to, to reuse that word again. You have it to just be very aware of uh, animations. Yeah, exactly. How long they play and which ones you can get out of, mm-hmm. which ones you're stuck in. game we'll be talking about today. We'll, we'll talk about DMC a little, but it's a little too recent to go really go into depth on. It's uh, Devil May Not Cry 4. Not retro enough. Not retro enough. There's, there's an arbitrary cutoff date we haven't established yet, but I think 2012 is a little too soon okay. for a 2015 Fair podcast. Devil May Cry 4, um, that that came out in 2008 originally, and it just was re-released in um, on a special edition like in June. I reviewed it, so did Jose. Check yep. out our reviews on IGN US Gamer. Yep. I think we basically said the same thing, but using our different uh, language skills. Yeah. Uh, I'm not <laughs> yeah. saying yours are lesser. We just have to say things in different ways. Yeah, no, we absolutely uh, do. Yeah. Sorry, that, just that's like not, right now. That sounded passive-aggressive, Jose. No, I didn't it didn't. That at all. I, okay. did. I wouldn't have. It actually didn't that until way. you added the extra caveat. <laughs> I was yeah. worried. I was it worried. It sounded fine until then. Yeah, okay. I was totally good. Now I'm like, hmm, Jose, I respect. 
Let's drop you. in judgment. What did, what did he mean? Some it's, judgment happening on this podcast. It's on record, Jose. I respect you. Um, so this game, I feel like I enjoy it. I do feel it is a victim of the HD generation's mm. growing pains mm. in that it's a game that you play through with one character and then you literally play through it backwards with a second mm-hmm. character fighting the same bosses. And I feel like I, I was fine with the game ending with Nero. Mm-hmm. Um, playing through with Dante, I was like, I'd rather this be just one game I could play through with different characters. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I give it a 3.5 out of 5. I, th- I still think it's great. It's a much better proposition for $20 or $15 than for 60 especially with all the new stuff. But yeah, I, I, I do feel like it was... Japanese developers, along with everyone else, trying to figure out how to make a game with this new bar, with the bar raised yeah. for budgets. Yeah, well, and I mean, you you hit it right on the head that it was kind of a uh, a victim of those growing pains because this was also one of the first console exclusives that was not a console exclusive anymore. Yeah, this was a Sony PlayStation Two only thing series until Devil May Cry 4 when one day you just woke up and found out, oh, no, Microsoft is getting it as well. And we saw some of that transition in in the PS2, Xbox era, but they weren't day and date the same. Like Metal Gear Solid uh, 2, I want to say Substance, eventually made its way to Xbox, but it felt like it happened way later, and you already had Sons of Liberty. It was about... I want to say about a year after that it feels, launched that on feels right. yeah. PS2. So the cost of making games was so high that as a publisher, you did want to sort of get it on as many platforms as you could, or at least mm-hmm. that was how we interpreted it. And then you saw Final Fantasy uh, 13 eventually also became a multi-platform game. Oh, yeah, that broke uh, Shane Mettenhausen's heart, I remember. Yeah, there, was, <laughs> there was this transition period where you just saw Japanese or games that were solely on one platform mm-hmm. sort of branching out. And it's still happening today to yeah. some degree. I mean, now PC is the place to be. You could have played Devil May Cry 4 Special Edition with all of the cool stuff that they added, and I do think that Special Edition makes it a lot better than Definitely I think does, when it yeah. first came out, mm-hmm. uh, because it introduced a lot of reasons to keep playing and keep finding... Like, it, it basically doubles down on combat, which is that game's best mm-hmm. best thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, we've talked about it, I'm sure, but they, they, they gradually reduced the amount of puzzles. Now... Now the only puzzle is, like, kill all the enemies in the room or, like, hit this, hit, find this object and then hit it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, um, I don't want to slag on this game too much. I did enjoy it, but I feel like I was I was playing it in the review context. If you play through with one character, walk away for a few weeks or a month, and then come back and play with Dante, I'm sure it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. But, like, playing through it backwards with the, with another character was just, like, too much of the same stuff too soon for me. Yeah. And I totally understand where that comes from. Like, mm-hmm. we need to make Halo? it... What's that? Kevin oh, comes from Halo. Yeah, I yeah, got the control yeah. room. One hundred percent comes from Halo. Yeah, thank <laughs> you for that. That's the missing piece of this puzzle, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah Halo that's why is you're basically here. like the second half is basically just uh, the first half backward. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. No. That my that, mind is blown. I can't even talk. <laughs> yeah. No. That that's a good point. Um, and I will say that I think. Uh, yeah, experiencing some of the boss fights the second time. Uh, at least, what was that? Two thousand eight when this two thousand eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that was somewhat of a bummer, but um, just going back to some of that special edition stuff, like I liked how uh, Trish and Lady turned out as playable characters, and even Virgil, where like they yeah. came. Up, I haven't played a a game in a while where I felt like a character was designed with you sort of adapting to the that character's even his mood. Like Virgil's playstyle is very much in the special edition about you. Uh, being very careful and and economical in a fight, like you know, less flash, more don't get hit and does keep Virgil's, the chain going. Does he operate around like a, a meter, like a charge meter that you? Yeah, use? there's okay. sort of a I trance so. state he can enter. Can you? Yeah, yeah talk so a little they more they call it the concentration gauge, and yes. basically the idea is that Virgil is a no nonsense combatant. He doesn't. He's the opposite of Dante, so he's not. Uh, 
like, well, I don't want to say he's not flashy because he's very flashy. He's not maybe. reckless, maybe. He's not reckless. He doesn't dance around. He's just killing. And uh, so basically you get rewarded for being very efficient. Mm-hmm. So if you just, uh, yeah, it, it only activates when you're within a certain range of enemies. Uh, but any, like, needless running around will lower the gauge. And if you just stand still while enemies are there and don't take damage, it'll go up because they... I guess the idea is that Virgil's concentrating. And then it goes up more if you uh, land attacks or if mm. you kill enemies. And then when your concentration is full, uh, you get access to new moves. Your weapon or your your moves all get stronger and you get increased attack range. It's just a, a simple mechanic that uh, I think also makes narrative sense. Yeah. yeah. Kind of fits in line with Yeah, I, I don't think I've played an action game where I felt like I had to basically embody the same attitude the character has towards mm-hmm. combat. Like, I, I played a, a lot of action games. I mean, I've played my Double May Cries, I've played my God of Wars, I've played my Bayonettas, um, you know, Vanquish. Like, it's yeah. a long list, and I just rarely think I've seen something like that. And I think it's a cool direction uh, for that series specifically. Mm-hmm. Cause just because combat... Devil May Cry combat and stylish combat is something that when it's done right, you can't help but just yeah. go, wow. And no one is doing it but Devil May Cry and Platinum, yeah. <laughs> basically. Like, that's why that's why I think this game is worth playing despite that issue. Like, the fighting is still great. Mm-hmm. And, again, no one else is making this kind of game. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you're coming to it for the combat, like, Devil May Cry Force combat is fantastic. Again, you can switch to those, um, those styles on the fly. And I can't imagine what kind of crazy combos you can pull out of that, like switching between different fighting it's, styles. I mean, the pe- people who have mastered Dante combat are inhuman it's, an, it's just mesmerizing there are multiple times where I've been watching these videos in the office and audibly yelped in excitement and I don't consider myself that impulsive of a guy just like how did he do that yeah. yeah yeah. and again all the characters like there are so many ways to play through this game like there is there's Dante in his four styles there's uh, Nero who's a new character and his, I like his weapon a lot like I feel it's he's there for beginners but it's still not an easy experience mm. and then we have Trish Lady and Virgil right that's, yeah. that's everybody. Yeah, and but, you had uh, weapons like Pandora's box. Or, oh yeah, that was thing. It, was that the Pandora? Name? Yeah, Pandora. Pandora. Sorry, it's a uh, it's like a briefcase. This it says there's 666 different forms. That's not actually true. In I the didn't game. think so. Oh, thank God, <laughs> I wanted you to be the one to finally put oh, that man. to rest. Yeah. yeah. But there's um, a lot of forms. <laughs> but, yeah. but it felt very uh, inspired even to some degree. I mean, we, we brought up some pop culture with The Matrix, but I feel like another thing, and maybe this is the reason Pandora exists and maybe it doesn't, but like stuff like Desperado or like Once, a time, once, oh, once yeah. Upon a Time in Mexico, like just oh, that sort sure, of yeah. strange like, hey, I have this guitar case yeah. that shoots bullets or something. And it wasn't a guitar case. It was just a briefcase. But it has these different things it turned into. And I thought that was also a, a sort of a, a cool thing. Um, th- well, it fits in with the idea that Dante, this is his business, you know? Yes. He's a, he's a professional demon hunter. We forgot to mention business. that. He is like a business yeah. owner. Yeah. <laughs> Dante somehow. Something I've always wanted to see explored more. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the briefcase thing falls right in with that. Yeah, and it, and it definitely is still like very linked to um, even like stuff like Blade was is very much mm, like Devil May that, Cry yeah. and Dante to yeah. a degree, right? Like it, it helped inspire that stuff. Vampire Hunter D. Um, there, there's there, and, and The Matrix, like we said. Um, but yeah, the business side of it, it's funny. None of the games really ever go into that like it's mostly yeah. been the the story that you play is the mission he chose to go on but you're never like yeah. the business owner coming back mm-hmm. like ghostbusters or something you know what i mean like he's gotta yeah. like sign his employees up for insurance and yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know i don't know um, sign a waiver yeah and I, I i did appreciate that uh there were some 
just a lot of effort with that special edition by Capcom to just keep that combat. The, the reason yeah. you want to play that game is to experience its combat, and it is very good. Mm-hmm. Like, no question. Well, I, I think a takeaway with vanilla DMC4 is that you. So basically, you had Nero, which I think initially bugged a lot of people because you want to play as Dante. I actually love Nero now. He's maybe my favorite to play as, but um, mm. he he was. Uh, I think he came off at the time as sort of a watered-down Dante, and then Dante in DMC4 felt like a complicated version of DMC3 Dante. So it felt like you you took this character in the middle and then split him into two extremes. And so with 4SE, they added some more sort of markers along the way. So Virgil's kind of somewhere in the middle. He's He's pretty technical, but also pretty approachable. And mm-hmm. then Lady and Trish, a little on the easier side. Yeah. I really like Trish's uh, weapon because you can you can throw it out. It's like the spinning blade thing, and then you can just keep it yeah. in one area while you fight guys as it like spins around and hits them. It's yeah. really awesome. And you kind of mentioned to me, I think once that it it felt more. It's felt sort of Trish's fighting style felt in line with the uh, Marvel vs. Capcom three stuff yeah. we'd seen. Like just you know the yellow lightning, the the certain like moves and and mm-hmm. uh, stuff she totally. works out. Um, so that was that was ultimately really cool. Uh, I can't help but bring this up though, and I have to. That oh. board game, okay, in yeah. Devil May Cry, like you can't talk about Devil May Cry four without talking about the board well, game. Well, the part. fact that you have to play it twice is what bothers me. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine though did say that there is a frame that he feels like if you hit the dice at exactly the right oh, yeah. moment. Oh, I figured it the out. Dice oh, they want. actually made that easier to to get. In, they in did the that in a special. Oh, no wonder. It's okay. like if you do it like on like two moves before the the side you want, like yeah. two spins before the side you want, or something like that. Like I, I was always able to get it on the right one, but it was still going through the game. Yeah, I yeah. would have cut that part out, but I don't know if they can actually do yeah. that. I'm always, you know, I'm always surprised about uh, the the reaction of the board game because for me, like, ultimately, all I want to do in this game is fight stuff. You too. Yeah, and that's, that's true. like the only the, the worst thing that can happen in that board game is you have to fight more stuff. It is, but I think it comes <laughs> at a portion of the game where you're just, especially that second time, you're expecting for this, you know, this this adventure to end in kind of a bang or approach that climax and. It just kind of strikes you as odd. At least it struck me as odd to be there, right? I was just definitely like, oh, that yeah. final one where you can you can get stuck in a loop and just be yeah. stuck. Yeah, that's what happened. Like multiple yeah. cycles. Two thousand eight. Rage I, quit. I'd like there. to think that we have escaped that kind of anxiety about padding a game a bit, like with oh, yeah. reusing stuff. But I'm not sure if we have. But I think maybe uh, a few years later, this game could have been a shorter game. It yeah. just like that's sort of like a PS2 era mindset. Where like I'm I'm buying a game. Where's my twenty five hours? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. No, I, I think something we may have missed with. Two and correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't two the first game that had something that was like Bloody Palace, like just yeah. an oh, arena-based right. space yeah. where you can just focus on fighting, um, and that became a thing that carried over to each game. And it's it's really good, I feel, in each one that they explored it. Even the reboot had it, and I really like that because mm-hmm. if you're someone who just wants to waste a couple of hours, you know, just sort of tinkering and, and getting really good at, at how the combat works, you have that playground to do that in, and there's sort of a tier to it all, right? You're just ascending yeah. this tower to see how high you can. Can get. I think for a lot of the really serious players of this of this series, that's where the long tail is because right. ultimately, you know, you can only run through the story mode so many times before, you know, it's all just kind of routine. But mm. uh, ultimately, what keeps you coming back is. Uh, the prospect of experimental combat, you know, yes. so you just want to jump into the combat right away. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, DMC four, like I said, it has its problems that are really related to its time in this world or the time it was developed. I think the special edition is great. Like uh, again, I say step away after you beat the Nero part, come back to it maybe like a few days later because then you'll be like, oh, okay, it's it's a it's a semi newer experience. But I still think the action itself, the fighting itself, is really great and. Um, 
Before we wrap up, I did want to talk about this whole genre that we've been speaking of. It's, I mean, I, I think the official term is stylish action. It's like survival horror. It's like a new, like Japanese creators like their their unique like to make genre up, names. Yeah. yeah, like the zapping system or whatever. You know what I mean? But free, like <laughs> free reactive eyes entertainment. Oh, thank you. I knew I was missing one. <laughs> Sorry, um, had to. No, I, you needed to do that. Uh, <laughs> so, like this this genre is so weird because I feel like it's a really hard thing to copy. I mean, we had things like Dante's Inferno, correct? And it's hard to think of any uh, other series well, or attempts to make a sort of Devil May Cry game. I mean, of course, Kamiya went and took his bag of tricks to Platinum, and he's mm-hmm. doing his own thing with that same kind of experience. Yeah. And Capcom is continuing the tradition. But, like, where else is stylish action existing? Or has it ever existed outside of those two tiny little, like, overlapping, like, windows? I think it kind of branched off. And, I mean, right away when DMC1 came out, you got a lot of games that seemed to take elements, like the whole... Uh, system of buying moves. Remember, there was like Rygar right off the bat. Oh, you're yes. right. I yeah. and then, I'm missing some big ones too. Yeah. And then a little later, like God of War, yep. um, oh. which was, I think, structurally <laughs> very similar. I don't know if you would call it stylish action, but... I can uh, see that. Like, I, I can't believe I, I missed that one because that, that is a big one. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not doing the exact same thing, but it is very a much, a much about combat and yeah. Combat and, and upgrading and having yeah. options yeah. and visual flair. Yeah, yeah. And, the visual flair part especially. Like, I feel like God of War, what it didn't try to do in technical mastery of, uh, of combat, it did do in, like, set pieces. Like, when you see Ares kind of stomping around in the background. Yeah. But that's a cool visual by PS2 standards. Like, yeah. that was something that you were like, whoa, I didn't think... A, like these games could play with scale that way and make me feel so small. Um, So I think they push the envelope more Mm -hmm. on that side of presentation versus trying to be a stylish, quote, Mm -hmm. action game. And apparently God of War still exists, Yeah, uh, I guess. Did they just re-release 3 or something? I think, Uh, yeah, they just released, yeah, yeah. they did a, well, it was was an HD before. Oh, right, uh, now it's super HD. Yeah, it's super (laughs) HD. Um, No, but you had, like, your beautiful Joes. I mean, I I see your point, though, right? Yeah. Like like Platinum and and Clover. Who who else but Platinum and and Capcom, basically, like, are Mm. doing this? I feel like other companies tried their hand at action, Mm -hmm. but tried it in different ways. Like, I'll never forget, uh, this doesn't, relate exactly to it but do you guys remember Mark of Cree which oh, tried yeah, to turn right. cool. combat into like a puzzle to be solved and yeah, you had but a that also was really direction. heavily based around stealth it yeah. was. There was a lot of stealth in Yeah, that. yeah, no, only when you got spotted did you then they were trying to solve mm-hmm. the problem of basically like fighting in different directions and that being easy to do, but the stealth part was the yeah. way you should be playing that game. Um, but there was stuff like that. I feel like there was Rise to Honor, the Jet Li game. Like there was oh, a yeah. lot of different experiments. Hmm. A lot of, yeah, experimenting with these. different combat systems. That was the one where you you uh, like instead of an attack button, you had the analog. You had stick. the analog stick wow. and you kind of swung it in different directions to kind try of and hit. Hunter-ish. Uh, yeah, f- with the, the, the first, first Monster, Monster Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, That's but this I'm was like a about. like an isometric field, whereas Monster Hunter still felt like more of a 3D, mm. like, camera control game. Mm. Uh, I'm trying well, to think of some a, other... You know, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, which... Oh, right. Or even <laughs> basically people doors. said, hey, you know, Devil May Cry is the Castlevania game that always should have existed. So mm-hmm. Lords of Shadow kind of felt like them borrowing from DMC and God yeah. of War you to say, go, hey, look, yeah. we did that. But yeah, you can go earlier with that <laughs> with Lament, Lament of Innocence. Yeah, Lament, Lament of Innocence, Innocence was 100% yeah. Devil May Cry-ish. But and bad. that was Ega doing that. <laughs> I just want to point that out. I yeah, love Ega to death. But uh, yeah, like, know, it, I thought its combat was actually really good as, as, a, as a Devil May Cry, you know, alike. Uh, but 
what what that game ran into trouble with is that every room in that mansion felt the same. So it was very hard uh, to like understand where you were. Yeah. Sometimes you had to like use this map that wasn't always easy to get to. I'm trying to think of a few others. I'm sorry. So, um, no, it's just interesting that there was this brief period where people were trying to do the same thing, but now it's, for the most part it's faded away because it is a very hard thing to do right. I yeah, think. Well, enter the matrix. But oh the god, was that, was, that really a, a, was that really a that was an action game, game for okay. sure? I don't well, know. If yeah, it was, we were saying in the hall earlier that like. There was that period where everyone was trying to do that flashy, stylish action, and be, I think because of stuff like The Matrix. Yeah. Uh, and it was – people were getting really good at making games look good, but it was a, another step to make them feel good and make you feel like you were actually the reason it looked good. Yeah, and nowadays developers and publishers, probably more to that point, don't really have enough faith in their audience to allow them to control their games. So mm. you really get a lot of like yeah. press – a contextual button right. to be awesome. I mean, you guys I heard just, you guys yeah. talking about Batman. Me too. And I'm sure those games are great, but whenever I play them, it really feels like I'm just hitting the evade button until I have an, an option to attack. And it's just like, follow the prompts. It's kind <laughs> yeah. of like, you know, playing Assassin's Simon. Creed is guilty to some degree yeah, too. Like yeah. I, that, and that's fine, but it's really a shame that that's become more or less what action games are unless you really go deep into Dark Souls or Bloodborne or something. Yeah, like... Mm-hmm. It, yeah. There's not yeah, really a lot of those and there's not really much of a happy medium. <laughs> yeah. And just go, to, to go back to Kamiya's resume for a second, I mean, then there was the Wonderful 101, which I feel oh, right. tried to be a very hardcore sort of action game, but whose input me- mechanism was ultimately not... Uh, not suited for, I feel, what that game was trying to challenge you to do. I agree. And even I, though it was stylish <laughs> combat, it got really difficult and just frustrating because you're trying to draw the shape they want. And whether if you're using the right stick, there wasn't that precision. But then if you're drawing it, you felt almost like you couldn't attack. Yeah, because your hand was like wasn't on even something on an else. attack yeah. button. Like, how are you supposed to do this? Yeah, it's yeah. it's weird. Like, yeah, sometimes even Kamiya can't get it right. You know? Yeah, no, like, I feel that's one of the weakest yeah. games he's done. And but I he's totally had agree. a really impressive resume, and yeah. he's done a lot for that genre. It's, for sure. it's much slower and more action RPG ish. But Itsuno worked on Dragon's Dogma. That's right. Yeah, and that is a very surprisingly kind of like hands on, uh, really yeah. just like get. Get dirty with the action kind of game. He can't help but make Itsuno games, I think. <laughs> and uh, actually, yeah, I think it's funny. He comes from this fighting game background, and he's typically done these sort of technical action games. And then Dragon's Dogma is this. It's it's a very literal take on an RPG. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is really happening, but they still have those fighting gamey type things. Do you guys remember? Uh, one of the classes has a skill. It's just called reset, and all it does is cancel whatever animation is currently. Wow, that does know, sound like a fighting. That's movie. just such a like geeky thing to put in there. People are like, "What do you mean cancel? I don't know what that is." Jeez. That's great. So yeah, like, that that wasn't a flashy game, but um, it just had a very surprising amount of things you could do with the action, like mm-hmm. climbing on enemies and mm-hmm. just a. Uh, a wide range of classes and skills. Yeah, it's had that same openness that I think he strives for. He's, the games are made to be broken in a way that uh, will still look and feel great. Yeah, that game did not get its due when it came mm-hmm. out, and I, w- I would love to see a remaster of that one. Me too, for Absolutely. sure. It was really yeah. cool. Yep. So I guess to sum up, uh, Stylish Action is awesome. So is Hideki Kamiya. So is uh, Itsuno-san. He's awesome too. Like, this is a great like, a great kind of game I don't think we see enough. But again, it's really hard to do. And Devil May Cry is great. 
Like I said, pick up the first one, pick up the collection. Why not? You know, you can you can jump between one, two, and three. You might even like two. You might surprise us. You might surprise yourself. I don't know. But yeah, uh, any any final final thoughts on Devil May Cry? Like, let's let's put this one to bed. Anybody? Uh, I'll just say, you know, I think it's a really great genre. It's just super fun and satisfying, and it it was king for a while, and now it's kind of on the sidelines, I think. You don't see as many. Uh, like, I, I, I was very confident in saying when uh, this year when we announced the DMC DE and DMC 4, see, these will be the two best action games this mm. year. Uh, but in general, I think... Uh, I always try and tell people just support the genre as much as you can. If it's something yeah. you like, you know, don't. Yeah, for sure. If if it's uh, if it looks true to the genre, like I think the genre needs all the steam it can get. Yeah, so. yeah. any kind of quote unquote hardcore action game needs some support at this yeah. point. Jose, sorry. Yeah, it, no, it just occurred to me though that we were going through sort of the stylish action genre. We didn't mention Ninja Gaiden and what Itagaki. Oh, oh yeah, right. I missed Ninja. every obvious one. Probably yeah. did for Ninja Gaiden, and and it was. Very much, I feel like those two games were kind of at the forefront of what mm-hmm. Stylus Action was trying to be, where you had Devil May Cry on one side and you had Ninja Gaiden mm-hmm. on the other. Um, and I kind of feel like that series crawled up its own ass and died. Oh, wow. uh, Ninja Gaiden? Yeah. Oh, no, it absolutely did, especially by three. Um, even two didn't feel – it felt accurate, like it felt right, but – I don't know if I just was over sort of the weird fantasy that is the Ninja Gaiden world. Uh, there was that Dragon Sword game, which, by the way, was fantastic oh, right, on yeah. DS. Um, but anyway, I only bring that up because I feel like we would be doing a disservice to Ninja Gaiden if we didn't mention that as one of the games that was sort of pushing that envelope for stylish action. Yeah, for sure. uh, but in terms of Devil May Cry, no, I think that it really paved the way for a new kind of genre in a generation where we were kind of wondering what 3D games were going to evolve into and look like. Like, we had seen sort of the Dreamcast was that next leap for what platforms could be. But when the PlayStation 2 first came out, you had, like, you didn't have really games that showed that off. I mean, you had Onimusha, sure, and that was sort of a, a samurai's take on Resident Evil, but you also had stuff like Fantavision, or you had yeah. other... That was nothing if not stylish. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, sure. Uh, um, <laughs> no, a lot of a lot of early PS2 games were held over PS1 games. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. And they mm-hmm. just felt clumsy. Yeah, whereas when Devil May Cry showed up on the scene, it was, you know, something I had not seen before in 3D games. I, I, I guess you could almost consider Zone of the Enders like an early mm-hmm. attempt to do that. It was it was a different kind of game. Yeah. Uh, the, the combat tended to be much more ranged. Glad you brought But that it was up. very stylish. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Sure. It was second yeah. And it did have kind of a technical element to it, yeah. but it, it didn't feel as fully developed. It was it was a lot more simplified, Cry, right? Yeah. Like, there, there was just simple buttons, one button or a second button. The shoulder buttons played a big part in how you attacked, and they had, like, charge attacks. You had, like, sub-weapons you can use. Two was fantastic, by the way. I need to play it. <laughs> oh, man, you need to play Zone of the Understood. I'm going to get the collection sooner or later. Um, but, yeah, I just I thought Devil May Cry really, really paved the way for a new genre, and that was something that during that console generation I really wanted to see, and I feel like I don't know. I feel like we maybe we do see a lot of that. Maybe we don't. I'm not sure. Do we see new genres sort of pop up the way they did during that era? Not really. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of a shame. We have the Minecraft genre now, oh, <laughs> which yeah. Yeah. was quite the genre. Let's let's not even. <laughs> um, but yeah, you if if you have interest in this series, like you sh- you should be playing these games because this this is a genre like no other, and it uh, does feel really good to pull off something in these games that feels impossible. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And these games kind of challenge you to do that. Jeremy, do at least respect Devil May Cry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I figured. Even though it's not my thing, like I, I'm not like oh, stupid Devil May Cry. 
I just don't really want to play it, but it's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad that you had stuff to say about it. And, you know, there's still the Shin Megami Tensei connection. Oh, yeah. All I, right. I can rock that. <laughs> Featuring Dante. Dante yes. showed up in Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. That's right. Oh, man. It, it was like the special edition remake or, you know, like reissue of the game in Japan, but that's the one we got here in the U.S., and uh, apparently he was like a super difficult battle, one of hmm. several super bosses they added into the game. Hmm. I a- actually haven't played that part of the game, so I don't know. That's a hard game. Exactly what it was like. Yeah, I mean, uh, I like many people, I got to the Matador and was like, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just beyond I need that. To go, I need to go back and actually sit down and play it For all sure. the way through sometime. Yes. You know, because I have 100 hours free. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> so let's wrap up. Thanks so much for joining us, Greg. Oh, thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, of course. And you can find us, uh, Retronauts, on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitch, YouTube, Tumblr, and several other things as Retronauts. Just look for us on any of your preferred networks or social hubs or whatever you want to call them. Uh, also, be sure to go to our blog, Retronauts.com, and check out usgamer.net. That's where Jeremy and I work our day jobs with every Retronauts post. Uh, there is a uh, blog post that tells you what uh, music we use, what we talked about via like links and things like that. If we mention something cool, it'll be in that blog post. So go to usgamer.net every Monday. And re- fantastic art. Sorry. Ooh, yes. I had to. No, I had no. to. Jeremy was painting while yeah. we were doing this. Good He's job. been doing it some great nice. stuff lately, so yeah. you can check out the art there as well. Oh, thanks. And we are also on Patreon. That's how we fund everything, like flying Jeremy out here, replacing equipment, uh, hydrating our bodies in the sweltering oven. So please... Getting watercolor paper. Getting watercolor paper, that too. So please, if you can give a dollar a month, that's awesome. If you can give more, that's even better. So please go to patreon.com slash retronauts. And we can help you out with some early episodes or maybe some other stuff. Maybe? Okay, who else wants to go? Jose, where can we find you? Oh, you can find me on IGN.com. I do a bunch of different work there from you know news articles previews reviews uh, occasional video stuff uh, you can also follow me on twitter jose underscore otero and i also run a podcast uh for ign called nintendo voice chat where we talk about all things nintendo and in fact jeremy was a fantastic guest on our show uh, just recently hopefully by the time you've heard this you uh will have heard that episode but if not you should check it out greg uh, you can find me over at Capcom Unity. It is the official community hub Unity. for Capcom. Uh, we have our own blog, which you can check out. We update frequently. And we also are on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Twitch, and uh, YouTube, a bunch of other stuff. And we also do a podcast when we can. It's the Capcom Unity official podcast. Ooh, we got like real it. abstract with the name. <laughs> SEO, SEO. There you go. Jeremy. And you can find me uh, at usgamer.net on Twitter as uh, GameSpite. And you can check out my chronology of Game Boy games at GameBoyWorld.com. Fun times for all. And as for me, I am Bob Servo on Twitter. Read my stuff at Something Awful in US Gamer and listen to Talking Simpsons, a chronological exploration of The Simpsons in order, people. And uh, we'll see you next week with a mini episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>